Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Hey guys, it's me again. I just quickly wanted to remind you that all the show notes with the links and resources we mentioned in this episode are available on my blog. So head there now and leave a comment for me or our guest and we'll respond. And you can also find the entire archives of all the episodes from the Wellness Wonderland podcast and catch up on those at thewellnesswonderland.com slash podcast dash two. And if you guys are digging the show, it would be super duper awesome if you guys could leave me a review and a rating over on iTunes. It would be so helpful to bring more people to the show. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and leaving a review. And without further ado, here is this week's podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am super grateful and excited that Julie Pyatt is here. Julie is a plant-based chef, healer, musician, yogi, mother, just all-around awesome lady. And through embracing a plant-based diet, Julie healed herself of what doctors insisted was incurable. This experience gave her a deeper connection to food and provided her a miraculous opportunity to really see the body's um, ability to heal. So she now, you know, really promotes the plant-based lifestyle and supporting it with whole foods and living foods. And she's just a really awesome, inspiring lady outside of the kitchen as well, really active in the yoga community. And we're just, we're going to kind of get into all of it with her, but she's co-authored the best-selling Jai Seed with her husband, Rich Roll, who is the host of my favorite podcast, The Rich Roll Podcast. And her expertise encompasses this whole lifestyle approach to healthy living. So I'm so grateful to have her in my podcast, My Wellness Wonderland, today to get her deep insights on everything from food and relationships and music and family. We'll, we'll hopefully kind of cover it all. So let's dive in deep. Julie, how are you today? I'm great, Katie. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to uh, share some moments with you here. I am too. I am too. I think this is going to be really rad. So I think um, where I want to start is just catching everybody up to speed in who you are. So um, maybe we could give kind of the quick version of your background. And now, you know, I would definitely say you're living in your version of the wellness wonderland. But I know you grew up in Alaska and you had a very different nutritional strategy when you started out. And then you worked in fashion, which was pretty fast paced. Um, and then now you're kind of in this awesome place where you are now. So I'd love if you could kind of discuss your journey a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, well, um, interestingly enough, I was raised in Alaska, um, and I grew up eating game meat um, that my father hunted and harvested for us. So um, my uh, dishes as a child were caribou tacos and uh, moose burgers 
and uh, more salmon than any human should ever eat in their entire life. <laughs> so um, it was really, um, you know, uh, it was just, it was basically just a normal middle class family, you know, dietary plan uh, that included a lot of game meat. We lived in Alaska, so there wasn't a lot of fresh things. Although what's interesting there is in the summer, they have like these kind of um, supernatural, like uh, a huge, enormous vegetables that grow because they have, you know, the three months of intense light, 24. So you would have, you know, a carrot the size of a skateboard or (laughs) something Mm -hmm. like that. So um, it was kind of this bizarre thing. But as a usual course, you know, that that of, of life, that nine month you know, winter, dark winter, uh, you're really pretty void of, uh, of fresh things, you know, at least right out of the ground. So, um, I think I started really, um, cooking when I was in college. Um, I went, uh, I studied business at Arizona state, a very, uh, uh, serious party school actually. (laughs) Um, but uh, I started cooking with a with a boyfriend there that I was with for the four years that I went to school. He was an architecture student, and we basically started cooking just out of Bon Appetit uh, magazines. Um, and he was he- part French, which probably helped out a little bit. Um, but I would say that uh, you know I've always been a thin person, so I didn't ha- ever have to um, approach food uh, you know from a place of dieting for a weight reason. Um, and so that meant that you know, I kind of ate whatever I wanted to. I was never really focused on food. And I just, you know, in our house, you didn't have to finish your plate. That wasn't a requirement of our, of our family. So everybody just kind of rolled the way they wanted to, ate, ate what they wanted and do, didn't make that big of a deal out of it. Um, and then later in life, uh, when I was married to Rich, m- many years later, um, I was given what I call you know, a gift or blessing of a healing opportunity in the form of a large cyst in my neck. Um, and this cyst was uh, a thyroid glossial duct cyst, which is common in young children between the ages of 8 and 12. And I was in my 40s when I, when I got mine. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I, uh, I went to see a few surgeons. I got, um, you know, second and third opinions and basically was told that I would have to have a cross-section of my neck cut out. Um, it was not an easy surgery. It would be a medium-type surgery. And, uh, you know, there was no way to cure it, uh, it you know, other, otherwise. Um, and I... Um, I decided to prove them wrong. So um, I actually worked with an Ayurvedic physician. And for the first time in my life, I got very real about my diet, uh, very real about my lifestyle. And uh, I basically ate off of one sheet of paper that had foods listed on it. And then I took some very strong healing herbs uh, that smelled like sulfur, sewage, and dirt mixed together. (laughs) And I would break them out at night and everyone would go running from the kitchen because the smell was so bad. Um, But I just felt, you know, I kind of felt like uh, I I had an MRI. Um, The cyst was not cancerous. They were afraid it might become cancerous. Um, And I felt like, you know what, I have a little time here. So I've been given this opportunity to really explore this. So I'm going to go for it. And um, 
I, uh, I was successful. Um, after about a year and a half, two year period, it was completely gone, completely healed. Super cool. Mm -hmm. I, I loved hearing that story on the ritual podcast, you know, and he would talk about you coming home with this like brown bag into the (laughs) kitchen and, um, and you would, you know, you, you didn't even really know, you know what it was and you, you'd get all the stuff out. But I just think it's awesome that you took that approach to it. And I, what's even more awesome is the fact that, you know, I think you said in the podcast that it took a while, but, um, you know, rich and your family and, um, the people around you, you know, they didn't necessarily support that at first, but you stuck to your guns and you knew that this was the best way from your intuition. And a lot of times people don't listen to their intuition, even though they know what the right thing is to do. But a lot of times, you know, outside, even if it's well-intentioned, outside influences, you know, from your family or your husband, but you were really able to continue to do this and then had their support. And um, could you talk about that aspect of it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think we all, you know, all of us in life, uh, you know, we go through a sort of, uh, you know, process of becoming mature. And actually, you know, for me, it was realizing that, you know, the only the only person that I can blame or that I can, uh, you know, accredit decisions in my life to is myself, you know, and I actually had, um, I had had a tonsillectomy late in my life when my oldest boy was only a year and a half old. Um, and yeah, I had some issues going on in the back of my throat and, you know, it wasn't great. And I kind of tried to heal it with Chinese herbs, but I didn't really change my diet and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really try long enough, I guess. And everybody was just sort of nonchalant, you know, um, go see this surgeon. And I went to see the surgeon and he was very, very like casual about it. Like, Oh yeah, you'll be down a couple days and you know, it's nothing, it's tonsils, it's not anything. Well, I had a a bad experience and something was botched in that surgery. And, um, I literally could not swallow for about eight weeks. Um, I had referred pain from my throat into my eardrums such that I was readmitted to the hospital. Um, and they would send the pain doc up and he would he was having trouble mixing a cocktail that would take my pain away like he was mm-hmm. mixing morphine with something else and then suddenly here you go in for a standard tonsillectomy that everybody thinks is just nothing and you know i've lost 20 pounds which is a lot of weight for somebody like me and uh you know i can't eat and i'm in massive pain and you know was this really necessary you know and 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 so um I think I kind of forgot about that point. Rich reminds me of that episode, but I think it was on the heels of that. And then when they were like, oh, yeah, we'll just cut your neck. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, I don't yeah. think you're my neck. And, you know, if you had been able to puncture it and, and drain it, uh, I might have been up for that. Like, I might have gone, okay, that's not such a big deal. But um, I think we all, all of us in our life, you know, uh, and it's funny, I was talking to somebody today who we're going to be um, uh, speaking with in Canada soon um, with the medical association there um, that, you know, we have to take responsibility over our own health. You know, no one can yep. tell you what's right for you. And I think we have this kind of history of like, well, if someone's a surgeon, then they're God or right. they know, right? 
or, you know, same thing with even, you know, money investors or, you know, any of these roles. It's like you can't give your power away to a guru, you know, I mean, all, all of them. It's yeah. about it's about self-responsibility and then, you know, you know, having the commitment and the faith, the extreme faith that it takes to persevere in these areas. Yeah. And I would say that my doctor, the Ayurvedic physician that I worked with, he never, uh, he never ever entertained or spoke uh, in a way that would indicate that what we were doing would not work. He was absolutely certain that the body would heal itself. Super cool. And I mean, that's what it's designed to do. And I think a lot of people, you know, like you said, give away that power. And I love Chris Carr always says this, that we're the CEO of our own healing. You know, I mean, you can bring other people in like you did with the Ayurvedic doctor and the support of your family and the, you know, herbs. But like, really, you're in mission control making all the calls. You know, you're the only one that is going to be able to heal you. And and that's the other thing. You know, it's so easy, no matter what your condition is, to just want that healer. And it's not necessarily, you know, for a lot of people, even a doctor, it can be like, you know, that acupuncturist, or I just need that health coach, or I just need that recipe book. You know, it's like, but really, you just, you you are the guru, you are the teacher, and just going within and like, really getting behind that, I think is, you know, it's like, it's trippy for people to really understand that. And that's something that you've actually really, really helped me understand, Julie. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's really true. And it's like a perfect transition to the next thing I wanted to ask you. But, you know, like you said, you know, we are all the same. We are all one. And that's that was a really big shift for me. One of my favorite episodes um, of you on the Ritual podcast, I, I don't remember um, – exactly you know which one it was but one of my favorite things was I think it was one of the very first ones but anyways it was um you you're talking with him about um when you see a quality you admire or look up to in someone else it means that you just you put this in a way that I could understand I'd heard this before but the way you said it just it got me you know and what you said was um when you see a quality or you admire a quality in someone else, it means that that's in you but unawakened or unleashed. And mm-hmm. when you said that, it really, really, like I said, it just, like, hit me. So mm-hmm. I would love if you could discuss that concept a little bit and go even deeper into that maybe. Well, um, yeah, sure. Um, you know, so it's so funny because I never re-listen to the podcast. So I just – I let it go authentically and then I never I never listen again. I have no <laughs> Do you idea. remember saying that? Yeah, I, re- I remember. I mean something that I that I uh, I feel deeply yeah. part. So, yeah, I can. But it's just funny because I – It's pretty cool. I, I don't want to listen back to the podcast because I don't want to take any of the authenticity out of it. Like I can just be freer if I just am not involved, right. you know. So yeah. um, the – yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, it's that thing like it takes one to know one or or um, like in all of the, you know, all the gurus that I've studied with in my life, you know, I've been on a spiritual path for, you know, forever, like <laughs> since I was born. Um, and I've studied all different kinds of traditions and with all different kinds of teachers. And I've been blessed enough to have some very, um, very uh, established, um, wise, uh, realized beings um, guiding me in different areas. And, you know, one perspective of that is that, you know, oh, that's, that's for weaklings, you know, or, you know, how could you 
follow somebody, you know, a guru or somebody with that kind of light. And the thing is, is that we only admire that which we have already inherent within ourselves. So if I can see it in another, I can realize it myself. That's the whole point of a guru, right? It's just a portal, which it brings you to a further realization. Like a mirror. like a, yeah, 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 like a mirror. Um, and the other point is, is, you know, we all have heard about shadow artists. It's like, that's another very uh, prominent theme, theme in my life is I always wanted to be a musician. I always was a musician um, since I was young. I mean, just naturally, inherently at age, age six, I wanted to sing. And then um, I didn't do it for many you know, many reasons. And I kind of did everything else, but I was absolutely spent the large part of my life completely in awe of musicians. Like, I mean, my brother is one, a very, very extraordinarily gifted musician, like, you know, world-class guitar player, one of the best in the world. And, um, you know, I had, you know, different boyfriends and it was always kind of this complete projection of this awe of musicians and it was funny because I really wasn't even in touch with it. But when I started to meditate um, later in my life, these songs just started writing. Like I wasn't even trying to. But when I got really real with myself and really quiet with myself and I stopped externally engaging, this is what came to me. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, every human life is a hero's journey. Um, we're all here to find our way home our way back to our source and every human, no matter where you're from has the same desires and the same, uh, uh, you know, dreams for life in a general sense. And, um, so, you know, I feel that, uh, you know, seeing some really uh, beautiful quality is another in another is just a signal to you that it, you know, if if you can see it, you have it within you. Mm, gives me chills. Mm. I I just I love that so much, and it's so funny, you know. You you said you didn't even necessarily, you know. I mean, you remembered saying it, but it's just pretty cool, you know, the power of the podcast that mm. I listened to that here in Michigan, and it really changed my life. Ever ever since I heard that, that was like a big, you know, you have those moments where you hear something and, you know, Eckhart Tolle, Julie Pyatt, like, I, um, you I'll know, take, it, I'll take that in the same sentence with the master. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's way true for me. I mean, there is like, you know, when I listened to him on, um, that audio book, it, you know, there are lots of shifts in that. But then when I heard you say that, you know, what you, the one that you said, you know, it takes one to know one, like never really got that, you know, didn't do much for me, but the way that you put it, it really shifted in me that I'm good enough. And I, the things I see in my mentors and my teachers, the things that I admire in them, it means I have them in me and that we're all the same. And I, I always, you know, I think, you know, and this is a good transition to my next question, especially, you know, getting into schooling. But, like, in school I always felt that I, you know, wasn't, wasn't good enough or I wasn't as good as someone else. I was better than other people, but I, you know, there was always that, like, that is very in our educational system, which I think is, you know, 
a big thing that's so broken with it, but they, you know, they put you into these different boxes and these different labels, which is, you know, another thing I want to get into. You can kind of get into that with diet and that's a whole other thing. But like, there's always these labels with whatever job you are, what you know, whatever the different math classes they put you in or, or all of that kind of stuff. And it really, you know, it just, you keep learning it and learning it. And I think now I'm in a point in my life where I'm unlearning and unlearning and that line that you said really helped me to see everyone as equal and see myself as equal. And um, it just was a huge paradigm shifter for me. So I loved that. It makes me happy. Well, you know, the one thing that I'll just say before we move to the next yeah. is, is um, um, I've lost my thought now. It's just, it, it left. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. In a minute. Um, well, in the meantime, I mean, while you think of it, I, the next thing I mean, I want to get into eventually is the other big paradigm shift was the episode where you guys talk about creativity and education and fitting into molds. And I just would love it if you could talk a bit about unschooling and homeschooling. And, um, it's such an interesting thing that, both you and Rich come from a very traditional educational backgrounds and you saw in your children that they required something else and you acted on that. And I think that is just such a admiring thing that you did and the fact that you're out there talking about it and um, helping other people get to that. Um, it's really, really awesome. So I just kind of love to dive in there a bit. Actually, and that reminds me what I was going to say. Oh, so perfect. what I was going to offer is it, it's really sort of the core of my whole unschooling movement and the perfect. book that I'm writing and, and sharing is that, you know, each of us is already um, exalted in the eyes of the divine simply for your presence, simply mm -hmm. for the reason that you exist here in this moment and you are breathing and you made it into a body in this earth is already the greatest blessing of a miracle ever. Wow. So we all spend all this time, all this violence, which the system sets up. It sets up because you're comparing and it's a competition, and you're supposed to achieve, you know. And um, it's when you really just relax, if you sit with that and just go, oh, I'm enough right now, not after I've, you know, achieved eight degrees or after I've accomplished X, Y, Z, or after I've married whoever it is, or after I, you know, make this much money, literally for your presence, that's enough. Like that already is enough. And if you think you're not a miracle, look into the human body. Just turn a magnifying glass and look at the human body and what it does and how it breathes on its own and how it digests things and, you know, all of your other senses and your intuitions and your ability to feel and love and hurt and all of those things that in itself is the, is the greatest miracle. So when, you know, uh, Jai Seed is, a, is, a, is the title of our cookbook, but it's, it's the title of, of really my life work. And the, re the reason it's Jai Seed is because Jai is an exclamation of victory, like hail or praise. It's like a, it's exalted, right? It's, it's like praise um, in Sanskrit. And then Seed is the potential of everything in creation. Mm. 
So like you're a seed, I'm a seed, a plant comes from a seed, you know, children are star seeds. <laughs> so it's a very kind of um, deep uh, concept that has first come out as a cookbook right? But there's a lot of other layers to it. And as you see in the cookbook, when you go through, you can see some of my photographs of these coral trees, where they actually look like human bodies. You know, we look like trees, you, you look inside, and it's like there's arteries and veins, and you know, and it, it's very human like. So um, I would say that the core of why I'm writing this book and um, sharing my personal experience, it's like a it's like a spiritual memoir, um, but I'm trying to uh, tell it in a way that I really give the reader um, some useful takeaway that they can actually apply. So this has been kind of a dance because I've had a lot of very um, interesting spiritual experiences, and uh, I'm trying to meld the two worlds. So we'll we'll see how well I succeed, but. Basically, the whole reason that I'm doing this is because um, I believe that inherent in each of us is a perfection that was created uh, within our divine mandala of our life. And each being has some perfect uh, organization or expression or genius with inside of them. And so why would we want to make those things all the same, first of all? And uh, I just feel like uh, we as human beings deserve to be loved, respected, um, and honored unconditionally um, because we were created in this divine form. And if we knew that and understood that, we would be asking the question, please tell me more of who you are, instead of saying, uh, gee, you're really extraordinary at, uh, you know, physics, but you can't read at all. So, you know, let's look at the fact you can't read and let's not look at the fact that you're a genius in all these other areas. Okay. So, you know, I'm advocating something that many say is very lofty. Um, uh, I've had people tell me, well, you're, you know, you're, act you're asking too much. But I don't feel I'm asking too much, and I will. Thank you. <laughs> and I will ask. I will continue to hold that space of seeing you in your highest potential. I will hold that space for you, and I will hold it for me, and I will hold it for all humanity because I believe in humanity, and I know we were created from divinity, and we just we've forgotten. We've just forgotten a little yeah. bit. Mm, so good. I think we all have a lot to unlearn, right? You know, I think that's kind of the path I'm on now is, um, you know, I wasn't unschooled, I was schooled, and now I'm kind of unlearning all the stuff I was taught, right? Yeah. And, um, and it, you know, it, it's a journey, and I'm grateful for, for everything that I had, and I know we've, we've had this conversation, you've had this conversation with Rich on that show, you know, that everything happens for a reason, and we're grateful, but one of the things that really made this concept... Um, sink in for me that you guys mentioned I think it might be an Einstein quote or something it's like um, you if you teach a or you rate a fish and a fox on their ability to swim and um, and run like the this is actually it's actually an Osho quote oh, yeah. and it's, um, but Osho doesn't 
one of Osho's followers told him this, but I don't know who, he doesn't say who that is. So Osho was a, a realized Indian saint that was very controversial, but very, very beautiful. And most of what he writes just penetrates me right through to the core. So I know I'm the same soul vibration that he is, but um, no, he tells this beautiful story, which is you too. I know it's funny. It just resonates. It's like, it it doesn't even go through the brain. It just goes right in. Yep. Yep. isn't that amazing? It's like but you and me. We were on that that's one too. So good. It's beautiful. Um, so Osho says, you know, he makes he makes this point about standardized education. So he tells this funny story about okay, so a squirrel, a fish, um, let's see, squirrel, fish, bird, and a slug get together, and they decide that they're going to create a standardized curriculum. <laughs> so you can already see, I mean, you're already laughing, right? So the squirrel insists that tree jumping be included in the curriculum and the fish insists that swimming be included. And, you know, the bird insists that flying be included. And so they all try their best. And of course, you know, I don't know the exact story. It's in my book. I've adapted in my book, but you know, suffice to say, you know, the, the bird, the bird breaks his beak burrowing, the, you know, the, uh, the rabbit dies tree jumping and, you know, someone else drowns. You know, the point is, is that, you know, the hummingbird does not lament that it's not a, you know, that it's not a bunny. So right. why are we taking our children and trying to put them into the same box and then medicating them if they don't fit in that box? Because we're like, wait, this doesn't fit in this system. Let's medicate it and dumb it, it down. Yep. And make it fit in. And and now we're all seeing that this education system is leading nowhere, that it's just test taking, it's creating educators, and they don't even know if there are jobs to fill, you know, at the end of this whole trauma, they don't even know if there are jobs. So my book is about that creativity is what is going to see us through, that, um, you know, that that is what is going to provide the miracles, this open channel of creativity in all things, so that we can receive the messages that are quantum leaps beyond a linear process. Okay, so the linear process isn't going to give us what we need to overcome different challenges that we are facing right now on the planet. It's very clear. So if we go A, B, C, D, we're not, it's not going to happen. We have to be open to something that just leaps us out of the whole game, you know, and suddenly we found out, we find out, oh, the earth isn't flat. Oh, okay. It's going to be something like that, you know? Yeah, I just, I hope it comes sooner than later. And and I think, you know, thank goodness for your book and and people like you, but I think, you know, it was just such a paradigm shifter for me. And, and, And the thing that, one of the other things that you guys spoke about in the episode where Rich says, you know, that specialized skills are so important, especially, you know, the the point where I am in my life where, you know, just got out of the college system and, you know, a lot of my friends, it's like, well, what do we do now? You know, like, what's next? And, you know, I really kind of made my own path and and made, Mm -hmm. did what I want to do. And Rich mentions that, you know, if you really know Final Cut Pro or you can learn how to do a podcast, like what I'm doing right now, you know, I didn't know how to do any of this, but I thought it was cool and I taught myself. And so it's like, I wish I would have had, you know, training in school to to figure out how to do this. And I wish I could have done that. But I spent money to learn stuff that I'm not using, you know. So it's like there is a little bit, you know, you can hear it in my voice. There's a little bit of frustration. I'm, I'm grateful for the path and I'm grateful for the journey. And some good things definitely came from that. But at the same time, 
it's a lot of money and there's a lot of debt. And sure. Um, and the I think the thing, you know, for people to kind of take away or I guess what I want to ask you is how do you kind of rise above that frustration when, you know, you are you have gone through the system and, you know, like you and I have we've already gone through the system and getting back in touch with your creativity. Well, you know, I think I think, again, just having that awareness that everything happens for a reason and that. Yeah. Oh, you, you never even know why you were there. Like you could have need to be there because there was some kind of sub, you know, energy that you don't even know about that you were exchanging with someone else and that served creation in the highest way. So I would think just let it go, yeah. to, you know, just totally let it go. It's, it's over. The moment is gone. It's over. And, you know, in my own life as of being an artist, it's like, um, you know, here I was six. I wanted to sing. My older brother was only 17 months older, but he started playing guitar and like, was in the talent show and I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to do something different to differentiate from him. So then I stopped doing that and I went through my whole life. My mom um, had to support her family in Chile in a society where women didn't work and she had to go to work at age 16 and she was very, very bright and very industrious and she's a wonderful woman. Um, and she, but she really, really um, sort of, uh, uh, put her desire on me, which was that I shouldn't be dependent on a man. She wanted me to learn business. And so if you look at my high school transcripts, I have like business real estate, like I was on the debate team, you know, this stuff that's completely not me at all. And I was actually pretty good at it. I I made good grades or whatever. And I have a business degree. But it was funny because it wasn't until my late 20s that I went to fashion design school and I took my first art class ever in my life. And so I started drawing and I could just naturally draw. And and every you know my sister was freaking out because she went to art school and she's like what is that? Like you just do that and I can't do that, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my god, I wasted 25 years of my life not realizing that I was an artist," you know. But then you know, it's be, it's because I had that business background that when I did my first line of fashion that I got right into the stores and that I was selling all the types top stores. Like I knew how to get into a store because of what I what I'd gone through. And then, you know, uh, you know, my brother, my genius brother, a guitar player, very different. You know, he knew what he wanted to do and he played guitar every day, all day, you know, anytime, all all time. And he's he's done that his entire life. And he is extraordinarily gifted, you know, in that area. So I don't know. I guess, you know, we all take different paths and you have to be grateful for your background. And, you know, we're the sum of all of our experiences. And we learn way more from the trauma than we do from the easy times. Mm, and tweetable. It's true, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, we just, I'm so grateful to be realizing myself now. And it's been a long time coming because I've waited, a, I've waited till late in my life to do this with Rich. So it's, it's pretty sweet right now. Yeah, it's super sweet. And I, and I love that you said that about, you know, just be grateful for it. Because I think for me, you know, where I am right now, it's like, 
Well, maybe I haven't gotten to that point where I am going to use something that I learned so I don't know it yet. Like you with a business degree, like you, you know, when you were in fashion school, maybe you didn't know that you would be pulling from that when you were trying to get into the store. So for me and for a lot of people listening, it might be maybe you don't even know how that had to work out, but it just trust that it was for a reason. I think that's Yeah, you have to takeaway. trust that it's for a reason. But I would say at this point, it's like don't, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a rebel. I'm all for not doing, you know, what an institution says you should do. You know, I trust you. I believe in you in, in your own connection to your own heart. And what I say is make sure that at the end of the day, when you put your head on that pillow, that you lived the life that you wanted to live for you. Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. You're so good. Okay. My next kind of thing I want to get into is kind of about relationships a bit. And you and Rich have just the most natural partnership. And I love just, you know, hearing you guys riff on the podcast. because (laughs) It's such a positive example of um, relationships. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about why relationships are so crucial and what advice you have for young people with in the regards to relationships. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if you know this about me, but I've been married three times. Of course I do. I'm like your super yeah. fan. <laughs> like you researched me. Well, I listen to those podcasts like they're my job. That's so awesome. <laughs> well, you know, let's see. I mean, for a girl like me, you know, I never, I don't think in terms of forever. I think in terms of really living right now mm-hmm. in an honest, authentic way. So I never had an issue with, you know, having a few marriages, like to me, I mean, when I'm with someone, I'm, I'm with them, you know, I'm not, and when I'm not, I can't be there anymore. So I, you know, and and it was rough. It was tough with the boys when I, when in the relationship where I had the boys, um, you know, I, there was a moment there where I was like, okay, I think I could probably hang out here another two years, but then the boys would have been older and it would have been more traumatizing for them. So um, you know, doing this with kids is there's no easy way, and a definite, I, I think, a base timeline for any divorce under under the best of circumstances, it's two years, two years of emotional trauma that you're working out. So, um, so let's see. So, um, importance of relationship. Well, um, you can really grow a tremendous amount in relationship uh, because it's a lot more challenging when you're bumping up against somebody else. Um, and this goes in every single area of your life. So it can go from just the minute daily things of just the cadence of living, you know, or how you squeeze the toothpaste tube to, uh, you know, all the way to um, how you express yourself in your life and what are your dreams. And um, I would say early in Rich and My Relationship, um, we there was a more of a competition there because we hadn't been uh, ground and chiseled into the clear channels of uh, service that we are now. <laughs> we we had a lot of really good ideas and they were similar to what we're doing now, but we still had a lot of personal ambition in there. And it's just not something that you can read about in a book. You have to go through life. And you have to really be put through tests to really come to a place of being able to serve. Um, and the, and a, also a component of that is 
to develop true loving compassion that it goes to everyone, not just people that you prefer. Um, so I think that uh, right now there's a big opportunity on the planet for men and women to come together and serve in divine union. And when I say divine union, um, I'm talking about leaving the constructs of the rescuer, uh, you know, rescued paradigm where the man has to come in and make it all okay. And, you know, the woman is the seductress and that whole thing. There's a new platform that's available where you can start to serve with somebody, you know, in real authenticity and power. And then the, the feminine and masculine can dance with each other and, um, kind of create something even beyond um, by being free of those lower vibration um, structures that we've all been brainwashed and we've all been raised and it's been, you know, it's part of our culture. It's part of being a human on the planet. So I think, um, you know, Rich and I are starting to explore some of those edges and we're, you know, we're blessed enough. We're, we're very well matched and, um, uh, we are very grateful for that. So um, if you can find it or if you can experience it and play and explore in a relationship, um, it's certainly uh, my preference, uh, been my preference in my lifetime. And uh, I'm, I say go for it. <laughs> I love that. And another thing that you've spoken about before, and you kind of touched on this, but um, you mentioned that you guys are two complete beings with both masculine and feminine energy with within each of you. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about um, that a little bit, about kind of two complete people coming together in partnership? Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've grown into that. So I wouldn't yeah. say that that necessarily was awakened in us when, when we came around. I mean, I guess you could say, uh, I mean, Rich is very in touch with this feminine side, which I love. I love all his creativity and his photographs and his sensitivity. And it was funny, I was giggling because I actually think if he started cooking, he'd probably be a really good cook as well um, because it's really a creative effort. But for now I, I, I'm developing most of that. So, um, uh, I would say, I mean, you know, as human beings, the, the whole point of, of self-realizing and, and merging into one and coming home is that you have both, both, um, both energies within ourselves, you know, masculine and feminine within ourselves. And I think the more that we develop that we're sort of become a little bit more androgynous where we're sort of in the middle, you know, in a balanced state. So, I mean, I'm still a woman and Rich is still a man and, you know, we, and we enjoy those aspects of ourselves, you know, to the fullest. But I would say that, um, it's more in balance, you know, like it's not, it's nothing's at an extreme. Like my feminine is not as at an extreme and my masculine is not as an extreme at an extreme. And the same thing with Rich, you know, he, he's very masculine, but he's also very in touch with his feminine, which gives him a nice softness and sweetness and compassion and creativity and, you know, all that. So I think, you know, we, all of us have that. And so, you know, it's part of life journey to bring that and, and, uh, and get in touch with those within yourself. Yeah, for sure. 
I think that's huge. I think, you know, it's easy to get, kind of get caught into one mode of like create for me at least you know I, I can kind of get into the one energy of like creating and pushing and I want to build this business and do this and do this and then it's like I also have to be like okay but now I need to slow down and I need to meditate I need to go to that yoga class and like that's really important too so I think in every you know just individual really checking in with both sides you know absolutely definitely so um, you've kind of, you know, touched on this before, you know, with going through um, divorce and just anything in your life, you know, life is just this big, you know, ups and downs. And um, again, something I latched on to from um, a podcast of You and Rich was you talked about the concept of connecting with joy and how to mm-hmm. maintain a positive energy, even when you guys have been in a tough situation. You're really good at that, and I would love kind of some um, advice on that. Wow. Well, pretty pretty good at it. <laughs> we we had our moments for sure. Uh, it's 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 um, you know it's a warrior path this human life. That's for sure. So don't think that I. Um, it's not all it's not all skipping through the roses. That's that's not that's just not how it's been. And I don't know. It's funny because my my I, my uh, Vedic astrologer describes my chart as blood, guts, and glory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, uh, I uh, I think it's actually true. I, I have a lot of experiences that are very profound, and um, I definitely go through it. Um, but I emerge on the on the other side with some real beauty and meaning, yeah. and and that's the point. So I think when you say joy, you know, it's not like um, it's not like I'm uh, you know smiling all the time and right. you know hurting my face, you know, because <laughs> I'm artificially smiling. But I think what happens is when you're when you're connected, or for me, when I'm connected uh, to uh, divinity and God or consciousness or creation or whatever that is when I'm touching in on those places. And a lot of times for me, it's through creativity and creative exchange. Um, I just feel really fed, like really full and vibrating and very amplified in authenticity. And for me, that's what joy is. It's where you're so merged in who you are and you're connected in the core of your being. So your breath is very full and yes. very established. And um, sort of timelines drop away. Um, and miracles happen. And there's just, there's sort of a beauty that's beyond um, anything you could imagine or anything you could ask for or envision. And it comes from being rooted in that kind of timeless space Mm, so good I want to just I know I'm gonna listen to this one like over and over again and I want to just hang out with you I mean there's just so many aha moments and just great great lines in this already that I'm just I'm loving I feel I personally feel so connected to you I I wouldn't Mm. be surprised at all if my chart had guts and glory too (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's beautiful. You know, it's funny because I didn't realize you were in Michigan or maybe I did and then it left my mind because I don't keep a lot of information in my in my brain. But um, it's funny because Rich and I have a very close karmic connection with uh, Michigan folks. And uh, 
like literally, like we'll talk later and I'll tell you, but literally down the road, um, there are very key people in our life that are from Michigan. And, you know, Rich has spent a lot of time in Michigan. He was born in Detroit and his family has a lake house there for years. Um, but I remember, it's funny, I had a clairvoyant tell me one time, you know, you're going to be really connected with people from the Midwest. And I was a fashion designer at the time. And I was like, oh, you're so like out of it <laughs> in New York and LA. They're wearing scrunchies uh, there. <laughs> I was like, what? That's not happening. And then it's just like every time I meet somebody and it's really deep and I and I look at them and I go, are you from Michigan? And they go, yeah, it, it's hilarious. It's oh, really- my gosh. You're going to have to give me a list of names for people to hang out with. <laughs> I know. It's funny. It's so fun. funny. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now I want to transition to yoga a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you're a yoga teacher and, and obviously um, yoga is a part of your life. So I would love if you could discuss um, the importance of shavasana at the end of practice Mm. and how you know there's always those people right who pack up right and it's out the door right and it all it all leads up to that point so i want to hear your thoughts well it's kind of you know again i mean hey everybody everybody has free will and they're free to live their own life so it's like if somebody if somebody is missing shavasana it is their loss yeah (laughs) For sure. But you know, the, you know, yoga is such a beautiful practice and, and it certainly has been one of the great joys of my life. It, it, it's the difference between me feeling like I'm alive and connected and vibrating or dead. It's very, very, very visceral for me. And yoga also has developed this after years and years, you know, 20 years of practicing this lifetime, you know, you develop this kind of other awareness, this consciousness that's sort of holding everything that's happening. So that's what I think is the biggest gift of yoga is this second attention where you're, you're, you become sort of observational in your life and everything that you're doing, you're very conscious of it. And this really helps being in the asana and getting in the postures. Plus the postures are, you know, over 6,000 years old and they are going to awaken and align things between your body, mind, and spirit that none of us even understand. I mean, you could, you could, you know, read the phone book and practice asana, and it will still do something drastically <laughs> transformational to you. So that's really amazing. But yeah, I would say if you're going to spend, you know, an hour and a half in a class and open your body up and all these energies, and it's not just a physical practice. There's all these subtle energies and things that are happening. So the biggest gift of of yoga is to actually lie down and then allow your body to do what it does, which is integrate all of the energies and, you know, balance and, and, and harmonize so that you then can be fully integrated. Um, and if you were doing a really strenuous class and you walked out, you might be not very integrated. Mm. And this could, you know, this would cause some issues for you and possibly for others as well. I never even thought about it like that. I mean, that's that kind of brings a whole nother element to it, but I'm glad that we, we covered that one. So yeah. now I'd love to transition to talk about food a little bit. Okay. And um, so I know, you know, when you were healing your neck, right, and you were going through that, you had a lot of skin issues come up um, during that journey. So I would love if you could talk about um, some – things you did to heal your skin specifically and just some foods and maybe detoxifying methods that focus on skin health a little bit. 
Hmm. I don't, I mean, really what happened is, is, uh, okay. So I started taking the herbs when I had the cyst in my neck. So, and almost immediately I had a massive breakout of pus. I call it pus because, you know, literally you just wipe your face over the, the pimples and there, the fluid would just be running out. I mean, it was all over my face. It was, it was so bad. And I don't know how I was so confident that I just knew Rich was, <laughs> was fine. Um, but I just let it, I let it do its thing. And I, and it very, it was very traumatizing to a lot of people because, um, when we're doing healing, we want the problem to go away to, you know, and a lot, and often when you start healing, the condition gets worse before it gets better because you're actually pulling the toxins out of you. So here I had all this lifetime of all these toxins that were in my system that were coming out on my face and whatever was trapped in the cyst on my neck as well. So, you know, I had everybody telling me, stop taking the herbs, stop doing that, stop doing that. And, uh, and I was like, no, like I got to do this in order to make it to the other side. So it wasn't fun. And I, I can't really say that I had any, like any food or anything that made it better. I just had to keep taking the herbs until it cleaned it out of my system. Um, but as a general course of, uh, you know, living is, um, you know, I am a proponent of coconut oil. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy about that, but, um, I want my skin soft and the inside of my body lubricated. So I do use a small amount, you know, also externally and internally. Um, and I also drink a lot of turmeric juice. Um, turmeric in Ayurveda is a beautiful skin um, support and just overall anti-inflammatory. And um, and I've also heard in Ayurveda that uh, an heirloom tomato can make your skin very radiant, um, but it's not very good for meditation. Hmm. So you got to decide, do I want to have beautiful skin or be merged with my soul? No, I'm that's... At, that's at odds, so I don't really know. And, you know, a lot of um, cucumber juice uh, is really beautiful um, and I think very healing for the skin. And I take it internally. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else skin-wise. I love turmeric, too. I feel like my hands are permanently stained yellow from using <laughs> it, though. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very, very, very it's strong. side effect. Yeah. So, well, now thinking about, you know, staying with this topic of food, but, you know, you're in California, but I'm in Michigan. I was wondering if you could talk a little, so it's still warm there, but a little bit about more nourishing, um, warming things at this time of year when it's difficult to, you know, eat a lot of raw foods when you're so cold. Do you have any kind of advice there when it comes to diet? Yeah, I agree with you a lot. Like, I don't eat a lot of raw food when it's cold out. It's that's, you know, in Ayurveda, it would be you're trying to nurture your body and balance and stabilize it. So um, it depends on your on your dosha on your body type and everybody's different. Um, and it would take, you know, pulse reading and really a much more in depth, uh, you know, analysis to know what's right for every person. But if you start to know yourself and tap in, um, I really advocate oatmeal in the morning. I think oatmeal is one of the most nourishing things you can do for yourself. And it grounds you and it nourishes you and provides some fiber and some warmth. So 
I usually have mine with cardamom and cinnamon and a little bit of coconut oil and some raw honey. And I am an advocate of honey. Um, I understand that our bees are compromised right now. And I try to get mine uh, from uh, uh, consciously um, kept bees from certain beekeepers that I know um, who only take a small amount of the hive, I mean of the honey, and leave the rest for them. But I really feel like there are there is a spiritual vibration that the bees have that we need. And so um, I would advocate that everybody try to become a beekeeper and get closer to them instead of say, uh, you know, don't touch them at all. So it's delicate, um, but the, you know, honey stays completely intact for thousands of years inside the Egyptian tombs. If you Google bee pollen, you will see 110 cures. And the bees are spiritually very developed, and we have a lot to learn from them. And so um, that's always going to be my sweetener of choice, um, if I can find it in a local way from somebody that I know that is, you know, taking care. Um, and uh, and then nourishing, you know, if you're in a cold climate, like rich in my one bowls that are, you know, some kind of bean, like a black bean, sauteed kale, quinoa and rice, and like a warm yam with cinnamon. So um, good. You could do something like that and do like a little warm cashew cheese sauce on top of that. And the one thing that I learned in Ayurveda was for when I was healing my neck was every night before you're exhausted. So before your body is telling you to go to bed, you should have a cup of something warm. So it's sort of like a signal to your body that you're starting to wind it down. You're starting to, it's like a, it's a ritual. So, you know, in Ayurveda, it's warm milk, but I wasn't drinking milk, so I, or not cow milk. So he switched me to goat milk, and now I drink coconut milk or cashew milk. Um, and again, a little sweetness with honey, and you start to signal your body to, to sort of calm down. And he taught that I would be in bed before I was tired. So you turn the lights off and get in bed before you're exhausted. You don't wait. Um, so that was also part of just nurturing and being in cold climates. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm for um, – I would do – what I do in cold climates is I, I get a blend in of some raw things in the day or a juice. Um, but then I'm eating, you know, soups and the kind of one bowls and the things that I just shared with you. So good. I, and I love that, that tip about sleep. I'd never heard that before, about getting into bed before you're tired and having the warm drink. I, I really, really love that. So um, it's kind of perfect for my the next thing I wanted to kind of get personal with you. And it's one of my favorite questions I ask everyone who comes on to the show. Um, I'd love it if you could walk us through your morning routines and any specifics that you do to start your day and why that's important for how the rest of your day goes. Ooh, wow. Okay. Well, um, first of all, every day is different for me because I move spontaneously through my life. So, um, but, but one, one example of a day that's where I could be found <laughs> is, um, 
uh, my body just wakes me up naturally. So I, I would never, I would never use an alarm clock for any reason. That's violent to me, very violent. So, um, I just kind of tell myself what time I need to wake up and my body wakes it up at that time. <laughs> so, um, so often I get up between, uh, 4.30 and 5.00 AM. Um, this is because, um, I have a, uh, reason to connect spiritually at that time. Um, the world is very, very quiet. There's a lot of, um, uh, there's less interference from all kinds of things, cell waves, traffic, people, um, and everything's pretty, uh, pretty relaxed, pretty down. So I'm able to go into meditation at that time and I'm able to get very clear answers in a much more effective way. Um, so what I do is I get up and I have, um, I might make a Vedic latte, which is a turmeric ginger latte with cashew milk. Um, or I might have a chai tea, um, depending on how I'm feeling. And I usually light a candle, um, but, and incense. I love, I absolutely love incense and smells. They really throw me into my God place, like instantly. There's something with the smell that just brings me right there. Um, so I meditate on a, on a wool blanket. Um, actually the one I meditate on now is was my father's when he was a young man living in the jungles of Ecuador. And it's about 70 years old. It's red. Um, so I meditate on his blanket and, um, uh, I just connect in. It's, it's usually breathing. Sometimes I do humming. Um, and I allow whatever is meant to be communicated to me to come in. And then I often chant the Aditya mantra, open eye as the sun rises. So the Aditya mantra is on my album, Mother of Mine, it's track eight. And it's a mantra that was in the Ramayana, which is a 6,000 year old Indian ancient uh, text. And it was given to the hero in the story at his time of most desperate need. And um, I have a a very strong directive that a lot of our energetic power right now on the planet is coming from the sun. So all of my focus is on the sun and really none of it on the moon anymore. <laughs> so, uh, this open eye meditation really, um, really is amazing. And, you know, you can look at the sun when it's rising, of course, not when it's full in the sky, and you'll see, you'll look at it for a while, and then when you close your eyes, you'll see other images and things in your inner vision when this happens. Cool. That's super cool. Mm. So, um, so that's, I only got through like from 4.30 to 6 there. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you want to keep going a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. So then, oh, this is another thing. This is something that I, that I do that I haven't really shared with anybody is I have a... Um, I have a crystal that I bought Rich when I first met him. Um, and for many, many years, I have a, uh, a sacred bowl of water. And I fill this bowl. Um, every morning, I offer it to uh, Shiva or to the earth um, and refill it so that the essence of Rich is always in this full bowl of water and um and it sits on my altar and i have flowers on that for him and for me and for our kids 
And it's something that I do every single day and I've done it for years. And it's kind of a ritual of holding him in my highest vision for his ultimate self. Mm, I love that. So what's next? Anything else after that? This is after, fun. <laughs> after that, what do I do? Um, oh, I'd like to do some asana, definitely. But by this time, I have children coming up and asking me for things. So um, lately, I've been really into doing asana by myself in my own room. Um, I just kind of flow through postures that I intuitively feel uh, make sense. Um, so I do that. It's, it's pretty yin. It's, it's not very hardcore anymore. I'm, I'm very fit and I feel very strong, but I don't do the, you know, the very, very hard practice anymore. I'm interested in practicing, you know, till I'm 140. So I'm conscious of my knees and of things that are going on. So, so I might do a little asana and I'm definitely writing in the morning hours too because oftentimes I'm meditating then all the creativity comes in. So then I've got chapters from my book. I've got um, songs that are coming, um, recipes that are appearing. So it's a, there's a lot of writing. In my meditation room, there's, you know, yellow, yellow and blue and green and orange sticky notes all over, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm laying different projects out. I'm writing two books right now. Oh, my goodness. So, um... So a lot of that, and then let's see, and then um, and then children and getting them settled in whatever their unschooling activities are for the day, whatever they're into, whether it's fashion design or creating music or um, uh, going on a field trip or modern dance in the trees or anything like that. And then let's see, um, Rich and I probably have a couple meetings in there somewhere, and rehearsal with my boys because um, we play in a band together. And, um, mm, that's it. you know, that's it. Just well, a, a lot of time in the kitchen, like a lot of time, you know, creating food and then what are we eating and what time is everybody coming home? And and uh, so a lot of food preparation, a lot of, a lot of love around our table and food. I love that. So that's this is perfect for me to jump in and ask my next question is, which you've already touched on a little bit, but now I ask about the evening rituals and kind of things you do at the end of your day to wind down before bed. Hmm. Well, again, it would be the, you know, first of all, we try to have a family meal um, in the evening, early evening, try to have it like, you know, done by seven o'clock. Um, and then uh, it's really reading with my girls you know, I'm really with them a lot. And then um, for me, it's the warm drink. You know, I usually bathe before bed with the girls and I have to clear the energy off of myself so or I can't sleep. So I often take a bath with baking soda or some kind of sea salt and some kind of um, essential oil like frankincense or jasmine or grapefruit and then I can, if I get the energy cleaned off my skin, then I can, then I can sleep better. And, um, and then I just lie down. <laughs> I don't, I don't have issues sleeping at all. Um, it's all pretty, um, pretty easy for me. So, and Rich is, you know, he's has a different life. He's usually writing very late. And, uh, so he comes in very late, uh, a lot of nights, um, so we're kind of different like that. Nice, nice. But it works lovely. 
It, it does. It works lovely. I mean, the thing is, is we're both very independent individuals. So, you know, I'm not looking for quantity of hours. We're looking for quality time. Mm, I love that. I think so, I've heard you say that before. It's yeah. like my favorite. Mm, yeah. So, so good. All right. Well, this has been amazing. You ready to wrap with some quick fire questions? Yeah, I'm scared. Okay, go. Let's it's going to be fun. <laughs> okay, favorite color? Blue. Favorite yoga pose? Warrior. Favorite day of the week? Sunday. Favorite hour of the day? 4.30 a.m. What is the biggest um, health misconception you're constantly clearing up for people? Uh, where do you get your protein? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> what are you most excited about in your life right now? God. Mm. What are you doing in your life that you're afraid of but you're doing anyways? Nothing. What is one practical self-care action that you do for yourself every single day? Uh, yoga. Meditate. What is your favorite vegetable? Mm, it's hard. I like a lot of them. Turmeric. <laughs> favorite fruit? Peach. Favorite on-the-go snack if you needed something? like A blend in a jar. What is the, your favorite recipe you've ever created? Wow. Favorite recipe ever. <gasps> How could I? <laughs> um, favorite recipe ever. Kitchery. Sprouted mung kitchery. Mm. What is your um, go-to staple breakfast, which I think you already mentioned? Yeah. Oatmeal? Yeah, oatmeal. What is the, your favorite thing you've eaten in the past week, like best meal in the last week? Best meal in the last week was uh, nachos with cashew cheese. Ooh, yum. Gosh, I really want to come over now. <laughs> I want to just have a sleepover and have our cashew milk tonight and wake up early tomorrow and meditate, do some yoga. Yeah, absolutely. Um, superhero power you'd like to have for a day? Uh, jumping dimensions. Ooh, that'd be cool. Favorite vacation you've ever taken? Um, Hotelito. Favorite movie? Out of Africa. Favorite book? Uh, Bhagavad Gita. Favorite song? Ooh, favorite song. Uh, greatest Discovery. That was awesome. Those are so amazing. So I have one last final question for you. You ready for it? I'm ready. Okay, so as you know, the name of my blog and the name of this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So mm -hmm. when I offer that term to you, Julie, to live in a wellness wonderland, what does that mean to you? Oh, it means um, magic of being connected to your authentic self. Amazing answer, like so many. You had amazing answers to all my questions and just so many great insights and aha moments. And this was really awesome. Thank you so much for talking uh, to me. Well, Katie, you are an extraordinarily beautiful being. And uh, it shows in your 
blog and your voice and your energy and your consciousness and your awareness. And I'm very, very, very honored to spend time with you. And uh, I'm very happy to know you and connect for these few minutes and hopefully more. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you. See you soon. See you soon. She'll be back in Wonderland. I hope. (laughs) Yes. Whenever you want. Yay. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.